Welcome to Let's Talk About CX, a show that will help you improve your customer experience and provide you ideas on how to amaze and delight your customers. We feature experts and authors from around the world who share their view and give you tips and tricks for great CX. And now, here's your host, Sultan Simlali. Hi, and welcome to Let's Talk About CX. My name is Sultan Simlali, and I have a passion for customer experience. Uh, where it started, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it might be because I grew up in Brussels where my parents had shops. I helped on an almost daily basis after school. Customer experience can be small things like bringing groceries to an older lady who lives a couple of blocks away or making sure that you always have the right products for your customers at the right time. And in this podcast, I'm meeting thought leaders and people who are working in the broad area around customer experience and sometimes some very special guests. And today is one of those days. I'm meeting Tom Liebelt. I have been trying to prepare a biography for Tom, but it's been tough uh, as he's really one of a kind person. So I decided to make a list of keywords. So what I need to think about Tom Liebelt, I would think about marketing and sound engineering degrees, uh, polish hip hop, uh, digital marketing, SEO, sound engineer for Fuji's, Alicia Keys, MOP, all dirty bastards. So all hip hop heads listening, watching this episode will know who we're talking about. Uh, Commodore 64, DJ, four hour work week, uh, movie maker, uh, podcasting and so on. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting episode today. So hey, Tom, and thanks for joining today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Love the intro, but I like the keyword idea. That is so smart. That's the lazy part, you know, it's that the is so, four hour. No, no, no. This is the thing, man. Like it's super difficult to come up with super easy ways to do things, right? Like mm -hmm. yeah. it is not easy to be lazy and I go to it, right? Yeah. There's a difference between, I just don't want to do it, but I want to do something, um, in the simplest way that is hard. That is not a lazy mm -hmm. in, in a bad way type thing. It's hard. I yeah. like it. Yeah. No, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I think it's, uh, Lincoln that used to say, yeah, just, uh, to cut a tree, give me 10 hours to sharpen my ax and one hour to chop it down. So, uh. The simplest things are sometimes the hardest one, but, um, yeah, yeah. That's exactly the method, you know, like give something thought for three weeks and then execute in 15 minutes and now do your competition. That's going to struggle with the same thing for months. I, I do that a yeah. lot. So I, I really appreciate, you know, like simple things like that. Yeah. So you, you, you're a jack of all trades. So what is, what are you currently doing, Tom? Let's start like this. So at the moment, um, and we've been doing it for a couple of years now with the team, um, we've moved into marketing online courses or course creators, and we exclusively do that now. Um, you know, initially it was a pretty small niche, uh, but I was one of the first ones in it. So, mm -hmm. you know, when we gave it a shot, it was, it was introduced like eight years ago. Um, but since COVID happened, you know, the scene, the niche. I wouldn't even say quadruple, like maybe even seven X, you know, and you, there's so many platforms and players now. And the thing is we've put in so many reps with our business, with my marketing, mm -hmm. we're still one of the best ones and, you know, booked up solid. Um, 
So I'm staying in it, but it's just interesting, you know, like kind of being in the right place at the right time, you know, and, and mm -hmm. the growth that happened, you know, I can't, uh, take any credit for it, but yeah, we're definitely riding the wave. Okay. Now, what, when you're speaking about online courses is, what are you thinking about or what kind of courses are we talking about? Well, you know, we've done many different things as an agency before. We've helped e-commerce, we've done SEO, we've done, you know, helped agencies. We, we ran so many different things, right? And then, end of the day, online courses, you know, I, I would say are almost a perfect business. If done correct, right? Mm -hmm. One, um, much easier to control, right? With anything... Um, where you're running like an e-commerce or anything, right? Like really dependent on SEO on Facebook, I think, right? Because it's, you know, you're building a brand with mm -hmm. online courses. A lot of it is selling to your own audience. So, you know, there's some steps before, if you want to do it properly, right? We're going to control your audience and building it. stuff. but you know, if you, if you just think of that part, you know, as you're able to control it, that's a huge piece of the table, right? There's little risk. Once you control mm -hmm. your audience, but then, you know, many people do get that done and the problem for them is either lack of hours, right? So when you're thinking mm -hmm. of speakers and, and, you know, coaches and things like that, like, uh, now I might, I make a lot of money, I sell things, but there's so many hours in a day, even Tony Robbins has only so mm -hmm. many hours in a day and he's, you know, number yeah. one in that spot. Then the other part is when you're actually providing some kind of a service, fulfillment becomes a pain mm -hmm. at some point, always, always, and then, yeah. you know, when you, as you scale, you know, either the pain is just the management or, you know, hiring the right people or motivating, you know, so courses have almost zero fulfillment. Yeah. The only thing you got to nail with courses on the fulfillment part is what you uh, have an expertise in customer service, making customers mm -hmm. happy. If you can control the sales part and you can control the customer service area, it's a perfect business. And those are not two extremely difficult things to control when you take away all the other risk and other stuff, which you would have with a normal business. Yeah. So it's sort of like the holy grail of a business model. Um, but again, you know, everything has some nuance and you gotta get it right. But I, I just haven't felt anything else where I can really look at it. I mean, I guess, you know, some startups could be, you know, but then you have coders and then you have, there's a lot of knowledge gap. There's, there's a lot of things in there too, which are problematic. Um, unless you get to scale quickly, you know, it's not easy yeah. to run a software company with a course. You don't need to go to scale super hard because once the course is done, there is no $400,000 coder to support. No. You know what I mean? So, so no, that's kind of, yeah. 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 It's create once and then multiply. So, um, without a lot of production costs or reproduction costs, because it's hosted somewhere. It's already people done. People can yeah. just, uh, consume it. Yeah. And, and what yeah. makes, I mean, I mean, I've, I've been watching those, uh, get rich, uh, schemes and, uh, all those kind of things how you can be, uh, do do your online course tomorrow. You'll be rich uh, the day after tomorrow. Um, 
So I, I, I imagine that not everyone is successful in that. What, what would make a good course? What would make it successful? See, that's, that's always the wrong question. That's, that's that question yeah. that, you know, those gurus put in your head by mm -hmm. saying you can build one tomorrow. Right. Cause that's, that's the question that, well, what kind of course should I make tomorrow? So that's how you know it's a scan. That's, that's not yeah. really the path to doing it. Um, like an easy path, for example, would be, let's say I am doing consulting or I am running a service business, right? And I'm creating systems. Mm -hmm. I start to, you know, put these systems, like initially it's probably going to be like a do it for you program. Cause that's the easiest to sell when you're starting out. First, you do it for you, then you start creating systems, then you start doing sort of a do it with you program in some way. Mm -hmm. Then you do, you know, I teach you how to do it type of program, right? And your price points will change. You can have those running at the same time. Then at some point, as you do the teaching, um, well, you really have a lot of problems. Like anytime you try to teach 10 people something, they're always doing their own thing. You know, they always mess up in different ways and it's just, it's always a shit show. Yeah. So at some point you will start to either develop a method that works for everybody or you never go past that step and you'll always be stuck in that position. And a lot of people get mm -hmm. stuck because they never figure out a method where I can actually teach you this and leave you alone and I know you'll get it done. Mm -hmm. Right. Because there's different types of coaching one on one. One is mm -hmm. I'm constantly um, trying to fix all the things that you're messing up. And the other mm -hmm. one is like, I'm just leading you through a program. So those are two different ones. And, and, you know, you got to move from one to the next. Yeah. Once you actually have a system that works for every person, you're going to start running into that time constraint. Mm -hmm. So group coaching is the next step up from that, like a live cohort or, you know, and it's fine. You can just stay there because, you know, if, if you have a good system, you put 400 people in a cohort or a group or 500 doesn't really matter. The only thing you'll have to set up is the customer service and some kind of help on that side. Yeah. But if you have a group coaching method that can have hundreds of people going through, the next step is just people who cannot afford the group coaching, move them into an online course. You already have everything set up mm -hmm. and those always work. If you go through that step type of, you know, the model, yeah. you'll always have a course that's selling and you'll never ask a question of, which course should work best? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not going to be something you can set up tomorrow. Like there's, there's a path, you know, yeah. to success. Yeah. Yeah. So those courses, like they do great. They do great. And of course mm -hmm. you can, you know, depending on your knowledge, you can look for things, um, which will make it easier to sell. Right. So something with an external constraint is amazing. Mm -hmm. Now an external constraint means. Uh, someone may, might need to pass this exam to get a job and you teach them to pass that exam. You don't need to introduce urgency or scarcity or anything else. How much is this yeah. course worth to you? Well, how much is the job going to pay you? Why should I take it now? Well, <laughs> when do they give you a deadline by to take this exam? If you know what I mean? Like it's all external, you know? So like, there's nothing you have to really introduce except I'm the best person to teach you this. Yeah. Right. So, so there's different ways you can kind of, you know, make some shortcuts for yourself, but in the end, you still got to be good. 
And the mm -hmm. worst thing for me to tell to an instructor that's not selling well is mm -hmm. it's just you. There's nothing yeah. wrong with your niche. There's nothing wrong with anything you're doing. It's just you. People don't like learning from you. And I've mm -hmm. seen that work too. Sometimes, you know, like there'll be three people doing the same thing. One's taking all the money. The second one's doing okay. Third one's doing nothing. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's a sad thing to do. I mean, there's, there's a lot of work to be done. Maybe take acting classes. I don't know. Do, do stand up for a while. No idea. Yeah. But you know, there's yeah. always, so yeah, it's not for everyone. There's no such thing as no. like, yeah, make a course and you'll make money. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it, it's, it's, it smells like scam. Um, um, getting back to a word you mentioned, you talked about a system. When you speak about a system, is that, um, like the Stephen Covey seven habits, for example, or is, is that what you mean by a system? Like a structure for, yeah. Uh, yeah. This is a, a big topic, right? To ship this, is a, this is a big topic. Yeah. Um, I find systems give me freedom, right? And one way I could sort of explain this is. Have you ever tried to learn copywriting or anything of, of that sort? Like when you actually have to sell to people yeah. by writing? Mm -hmm. okay. Anyone in sales will also understand this. Initially, when you're learning, you know, one method is to copy the best copywriting letters by hand, mm -hmm. right? In sales, it might be to run up a sales script that someone gave you, yeah. right? You initially need to really get the constraints down, just so you know the steps to follow, right? Before you can start understanding why you're doing certain things and by finding freedom in them, mm -hmm. because that's when you start getting creative, right? Like initially you steal in a smart way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you start understanding why these things work and you can get flexible and, you know, but I find, and then, yeah, we can go back to customer service. Cause I think, you know, that's sort of what your audience likes is the better systems I have in my company, mm -hmm. which means mm -hmm. the questions that everyone has, you know, we already have answers ready for the, um, the foresight of the company, right? So if you come to me with a course and come with many tools and I'm like, well, I'm foreseeing problems in your future, my friend. Mm -hmm. And I quickly tell you what's going to happen, what you should do instead. And these are all systems, right? We, we set these up, we, we yeah. upgrade them every quarter. The better experience for a customer there is, because when they come in one, every single thing under Pat is laid out from how they go through our service to how the course will go through its steps and then how our team members will deal with them. You know, cause everyone understands their role in every step, but also in the end, it makes it super easy for us to upgrade the experience, right? Because mm -hmm. if we know that these are the six steps that every customer goes through, let's say it's creating a lead magnet, we can start narrowing it in on one of those steps and improve it and improve it instead of, you know, what a lot of people do, which is, you know, just kind of throw stuff at the wall and then try to pick everything up and hope that it sticks. Right. Yeah. And then I use systems for everything in my life. 
Right. Even, you know, going to the gym, like I'll look at the injuries, I'll look at everything and I'll be like, okay, we're going to do strength training three times a week. Now we're going to do some kind of cardio twice a week. We'll do it like, just because it's easier for me mm. and I can, you know, uh, easily tweak, right? Let's say if I'm doing cardio right after like a leg day, right. And if I'm doing, let's say bike or riding or something and my legs are not feeling so well on Wednesday, I know I'm doing cardio on Tuesday, but I want to change it out. Let's do swimming. Let's do, you know what I mean? Like, cause it's super easy yeah. once you put systems in place. Yeah. So I found constraints give me freedom, right? And, and even with starting a new business, I don't start with what I want to achieve. I start with the constraints. Can you give me an example of that? Sure. So this is, this is what, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is gonna, you know, um, help. Cause it's counterintuitive to say <laughs> constraints give me freedom. That's why. Yeah. 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 So. If you've been in business for a longer amount of time, anyone listening to this, you will often hustle your way into a quarter that you don't like to be in. You know, whether it's just a hustle mentality, too many employees, clients not working out, just whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The way I like to set it up is I try to figure out how I want my life to be first and then get the business work. So for me, since I do like to travel, I have. Um, offices in different locations, different continents. Constraint one, I cannot have a business where I have to be on from nine to 4 PM Eastern time. Won't happen. Two, internet might not be great all the time. I cannot have a business where I need to be on calls at certain times in a week, because I don't know what's going to happen. I can't have a business where I need more than five employees. Personal reason. I just don't like it. I start, you know, I got to get a manager or whatever. I don't want it. I don't want it. We should be able to grow the seven figures with five people. If not, my systems are wrong or my niche is wrong or my offers are wrong. I don't want a business that's relying on only one channel or is supported by one channel. So we're not going to be doing TikTok advertising platform. We're not going to be a Facebook ad company. We're not going to be an SEO only company anymore because mm. I don't want to deal with Google or Facebook or TikTok, right? I want to be able to yeah. independently get results for myself and save for clients. So we'll never push them into just one thing. And that's what kind of scares me about like a lot of the young people that are like, oh man, I'm killing it. I'm a TikTok agency. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, just wait. <laughs> TikTok is blocked in the U.S. What do you do? Uh, just, yeah. uh, just anything, anything yeah. like that. Like, yeah. like for anything a little bit, like, yeah. you know, the, the, the crypto space, right? Yeah. Insane until it wasn't. Yeah. And you seem like it just kind of disappeared overnight. The VC mm -hmm. funding dried up, uh, there's a hilarious uh, news thing I've seen the other day where the, um, the first, I think it was the first NFT, um, like museum or kind of, uh, restaurant, themed restaurant that accepted crypto stopped accepting crypto the moment it crashed, you know, but this is exactly what happens because there was no constraints in place. It was just a vision and yeah. the vision for it's super easy, right? Like I want to be doing anything in the crypto space. I want to do anything in the web 3.0 space. TikTok's hot. I want to do anything in TikTok. This is the dream, which I stray away from. Mm -hmm. yeah. I look at the constraints. 
And the constraints usually come from one, things you don't want to do, things that from experience before have put you into a corner that you didn't like. Yeah. Cause I've been there, I've run many businesses and a lot of them sucked in the end. Mm-hmm. That's why I stopped it. Cause I was in the corner. I was like, and it's much easier getting out of that corner than starting a new thing sometimes. Yeah. 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 So putting all those contracts and then w- w- when you've put all those contracts, l- like the one you described, uh, you probably then need to look at what you are well willing to do. Or at least, so how, how do you choose what you want to do by removing the constraints? Yeah. So I, I've, since I've been like 20 years old, I've never really had to pick in that way. Mm-hmm. Cause when you're running a business, there's always different opportunities that come in your path. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and then you just sort of have to decide which out of these 20 are worth even looking at. You know, most of your time should be spent saying no, but mm-hmm. if there is one, then you put the constraints and then you see what kind of business could this be? And with all the constraints in place, is this even possible? Mm-hmm. And then you look at a lot of things, right? You look at, you know, not only your skill set, your team skill set, you look at the audience, the possible global audience, right? Like when we started doing the course thing, um, there were only around 110,000 course creators on the planet. So our question was, do we become a commodity, a productized service or a high-end boutique? Mm-hmm. And with such a small audience, high-end boutique was just the way to go. You yeah. know, you need only a handful of really good clients and we're set. And you know, those other things are fine too on your value ladder, but you just need to, you know, focus in, you know, depending on your audience, you know, so, so this is something that's different for everyone. Um, but I personally, and I've tried, you know, had a long resume. I've tried doing things, which just didn't come naturally or in my path because I thought it was a good idea. They never worked mm-hmm. out. Yeah, we, we yeah, always, need to go through. <laughs> yeah, we always missed it in some way, either just the, the offer was wrong or we realized we're not interested, mm-hmm. you know, in doing it very quickly, or we, you know, did not have the expertise, realized the partner also didn't know what they were doing and it was just too much work to, you know, bridge that gap. Like every time we tried to go outside of our comfort zone too much with the offer, it, it, it fit out flat. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it, it's all about shifting in comfortable ways or stretching a little your comfort zone. And sort of, it could be more yeah. of reinventing yeah. yourself, right? But when you're reinventing yourself, you still gotta realistically look at what your, are, you know, weak strengths, everything else. You don't go from, well, I'm kind of tired of being this fireman guy to now I'm going to be a swimmer. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's, that's not really a stretch. That's just, you know, what we do, you know, and then what I see in the industry, that's kind of sad, you know, and this is more of that, you know, that TikTok mindset, someone just starts getting known for something and they always take the grass as greener somewhere else and they try to jump and they don't realize they're starting from scratch again. Yeah. Like all the stuff, they, all the, you know, trust they built up in that one thing. Unless you're really famous, that's, you know, that the mm-hmm. rules go out. 
don't transfer. They don't transfer. They only transfer for payments. And with courses too, with a frame, like a famous person can break a ton of the rules and still make things up. Yeah. But for anyone normal, it's just not, that's not the way it works. No, just some, some organics. Actually, it's, it's an organic growth of your business or of your career, uh, built by constraints. Yeah. Now I like the way it goes. So if we go back to the online courses, um, let's say I'm building my online course. Um, I'm, uh, amazing and making uh, cappuccinos, uh, how, how do I sell those courses? So I, I, should I put on YouTube? Do I need to, to build websites? How do people go about it actually? I mean, you know, you do need a simple sales funnel of some sort. You know, you gotta, you gotta have mm. something where you grab people's attention. You gotta bring them in, get them to trust you somehow. I don't know, YouTube, email, like it doesn't matter. Like I'm, I look more at the sales sequence than actual funnel of like where, and the where is more like, where's your audience yeah. for cappuccino? Probably YouTube, probably Pinterest, maybe some Facebook groups, mm -hmm. maybe that foodie area on Twitter, you know, we'd have to test some of yeah. those, you know, TikTok, yeah. maybe, but we find out of the TikTok quality audience for things like that is just really poor, same as Facebook mm -hmm. or those type yeah. of, you know, like cappuccino type things, you know, so I probably just from experience say, maybe let's not spend too much time on those at the moment. Um, but yeah, you know, like you still got to go through the regular sales process. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it, there's no such thing like, no, what, what, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You don't need to website. I guess you can use, you know, uh, like one of those no code tools or a platform. Um, the question is, you know, do you want to do it efficiently, easily? What's your budget? Like there's, you know, cause there's so many ways to skin this cat. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you want control? <laughs> so, yeah. so many different things, you know? Yeah. And, and, and this is actually you and your team come in then. So, uh, I come as this cappuccino expert, which I'm not, uh, but, uh, uh, you, you, you come as this expert, you have your course, maybe you all have your system or your structure and you guys have those guys actually, uh, get a good definition of the market audience, where to find them, uh, set up the course that look professional, I imagine, and then make sure that, uh, the course is being spread and that people yeah, yeah. so so money. this yeah this really depends on um what resources you're coming with and where you're at yeah because we you know we help six-figure course creators get to seven figures that's a very different yeah. bucket that's that we work with yeah. we help the five-figure ones get to multiple platform you know like some six-figure mid-six also different ones we help the initial validation of also a very different bucket, right? And what you mentioned would be that last bucket, which is, I need to validate this course. I need to, you know, make sure it even sells. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would really look at what resources you have, you know, like you would laugh at some of the sales conversations we have because most of it with validation, people is me pushing back and trying to talk you out of it. Mm -hmm. And only the people who don't get talked out of it by me mm -hmm. will let them come on board. But yeah. for regulation people, I'm like, why are you even doing this? Did anyone ask you to create this course? Yeah. Why now? What if it fails? Yeah. 
why would you create it before you validate? You know, there's like so many things I push back on because, you know, I yeah. find the validation is the most risky part, right? So why are we doing it this way? And then, you know, I, I started to explain, like, let's say you get, you know, a little bit down the road, um, in the conversation, mm -hmm. I'll start getting constraints in place for you. You know, like I had one guy, um, who I told him it's not going to work, but I, I didn't try it. Um, he's like, you know, a great bonus for this course would be to let anyone who signs up have an hour consulting call with me. Mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, of course it's great for them. <laughs> and we fitted out the gate pretty hard. And I think within this first week, he had at 80 calls. Outside of just doing his regular business. Right. And he yeah. shut down very quickly. You know, as I told the people, you know, I told him <laughs> the back way. Now, so, so the constraint there was like, you know, any business where you're not doing personal one hour calls with people. And now you know why. Yeah. Right. But that's a simple constraint. Right. And what we've done instead is we moved him into, I'm going to do an AMA at 8 PM every second Friday of the month. Yeah. All the new people get to come in and ask me whatever they want for an hour and a half. Yeah. Accomplished pretty much the same thing. And he loved it, you know, but yeah. that's sort of where I moved in from. I was like, based on the constraints and everything and my experience, let's do that instead. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to, you know, think these things through too, a little bit. Cause yeah. even a course can become a horrible business model without constraints, <laughs> you know, like yeah. one of the things now that's super popular is the cohorts. You know, you've probably seen that everywhere. Yeah. Live cohorts. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. Ali Abdal does that now for YouTube. Yeah. And they're great. Academy and they're great. And, yeah. Yeah. But again, it depends on you and your lifestyle. Like I have a buddy of mine, um, and he's doing roughly 400,000 a year with the cohorts. But oh. he hired instructors to teach every single one. So he doesn't touch them at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah, we were I'm, able I'm, to, I'm, I'm... we were able to introduce urgency, scarcity, expertise, everything in these and take away his time, even for those yeah. cohorts. Yeah. Perfect business. Yeah, indeed. I mean, uh, I've, I've been watching the Tony Robbins, um, documentary on Netflix. And then you see that he's doing the main show on stage, but then all the coaching for those 5,000 people screaming and dancing during these three, four days that being coached by other people. So Tony yeah. Robbins could just focus on his gig and yeah. let the rest of his gang run actually the business. And, uh, he just needs to speak to two or three people a day. And that's, um, yeah, yeah, that's a smart way to scale. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's different ways, right? Like Tony Robbins had yeah. to figure out his constraints too, before he went nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like every single one of us has to do that, you know, like all the things I'm going to, you know, figure out because otherwise, like, again, you get back to do a quarter. And I think Tony was at that too. Like I listened to one of his old tapes and he was, you know, on the road, like he said, 300 something days a year and flat broke. And you could figure out why. No constraints, no oversight. I was like, I was this man, so famous, selling so much stuff, spending all his time on the planes, which suck. And then he's broke. 
Yeah. Yeah. So freedom by constraints. I, I, I think that's how I'm going to call this episode. Um, how, how, how can you get happy and, and find freedom by constraints? Um, I think for all the professionals uh, listening to this today, we'll probably find some ways into recognizing how we sometimes put ourselves in corners, being entrepreneurs or in corporate. So if I look at my experience, uh, especially during the pandemic, because it was easy to have Zoom calls, I was sometimes spending 10 hours in Zoom calls a day, completely swamped and not delivering any kind of value. Or well, at least uh, Sorry losing energy instead of getting it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've seen a lot of people struggling in that period, uh, which is okay. But then you need to put some constraints to yourself and blocking some time, protecting yourself and make sure that, uh, yeah, if you, if you don't do that, you you got to feel crap. And it's going to impact your business, going to impact your life. Um, and it's not a place where you want to be. Yeah, just like, you know, I find uh, creativity and boredom. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, so I've are done you, a couple. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. Just, you know, I spoke with quite a few people and, you know, they asked me what's like my main goal in business is, and then for the most part, it's to get bored. When your business is running really, really well. Yeah. It gets boring because it's, you're mm-hmm. not needed much. And in that boredom, if you just lean into the boredom, because, you know, most people try to fill their time with podcasts and other nonsense all the time, you know, which are great at small amounts, but you know, if it's too much, it's just noise and procrastination. If you lean into the boredom, I find that's where all my creativity comes from. Yeah. Cause I can't stay still for very long. So if you give me six hours of doing nothing, there's going to be some ideas coming up and I'll be bursting at the seams after a while. Especially if I get a couple of days like that. So my goal, usually when there's like some, you know, either things are going too good or not good enough, it's let me find that boredom again. So I can really figure stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. To boredom. Yeah. So if you would have one thought for the listeners today to take as a final thought and to get them to think about what would it be? If you're on the verge of burning out or you're having these weird feelings of, I need to hustle more, or you are in the hustling mode, you should really look closely at yourself and ask, why am I doing this? Yeah, because often the answers are not (laughs) what you think they would be. You know, like, oh, I need to earn more, spend more, all this stuff. And at the end, you're just like, hold on a second, why? You know, you got to ask yourself maybe why five times more, you know? So it could be like, oh, why are you working so hard? I want to make more, but why? Because I want to get this, but why? And at the end, you'd be like, oh, huh. And yeah, look, I get this. In the initial stages, when you're kind of broke and starting out, yeah, yeah, hustling is the way to go. You throw stuff, you go crazy, it's fine. But anyone that's more experienced that, you know, you've got money in the bank, you got a runway of a couple of years, you really got to go to this, like, why am I doing this? You know, why am I getting burnt out? Why does this even matter? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I don't like my clients. Why are you working with these clients? 
you know, like all of it comes down to that. You really got to start doing that. I, I find anytime I'm in a hard spot, that's the first thing I'll do. Or if yeah. I get these weird urges, you know, oh, let's buy some new domains. We should start these businesses. Why? Why in the world are you going to do that? Why? Don't you like your life? Do you want to be miserable for the next three years? Is that what you really want to do? <laughs> <laughs> and look, sometimes you'll be a good answer. Like, you know, one in a thousand, yeah. you'll be like, yeah, but this makes sense. And then, yeah, go through it. But 999, I'll be like, yeah, stop the nonsense. Let's just, just stop it. Throw it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Move on. Get back to business. Make some cold calls. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think it's one of the most grand earthed, um, <laughs> answers we can give to someone, um, just do some cold calls. Um, so the, Tom, like, cause for, for 90% <laughs> of the people asking that question, that's the only thing they're missing. Yeah. Like just get back to work. Yeah. yeah. Get back to work. And speak to customers. Get back to work. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so guys, before you get back to work, um, how can people get in touch with you, Tom? Uh, the best way would be either smartbrandmarketing.com. Mm -hmm. Um, that's kind of like the umbrella website, you can contact me or if, you know, if you have a course and want to see if we can market it, uh, we market on lightcourses.com. Um, okay. But I've also been pretty active on Twitter, you know, Tom Lee Bell, just, you can find me there, um, lately okay. I'm enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm rediscovering Twitter. I created my accounts 11 oh, years so, ago, I think. And yeah. Yeah. What so I the found conversations is, that are great too. Yeah. What I found is by unfollowing everybody. And we follow being mm -hmm. like, just, you know, keeping it to about 130, 140 people that I just really like the experience yeah. changed completely, yeah. you know, cause I, I hated it before, but it was just me not asking myself, why am I on Twitter? And like, why am I following these people? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. I mean, I, I've, when I started on Twitter, it was like just screaming. You're just standing on a hill and screaming and nobody's listening or paying attention and other people just screaming around you. <laughs> and when you really focus on the people, I mean, I everyone can true. follow you and, and nobody does, you know, it's like you're alone in the desert. Uh, but when you follow some great people, um, that's where the value of the platform comes from and the conversations you get. So, yeah, this is the same but, uh, thing people used to joke about at crappy hip hop concerts. Yeah. There was always more people on the stage than in the audience. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's universal. I think I, every, I've seen, that in, I've seen that in Belgium. I've seen that in Morocco. I've seen that in many places. Yeah, it's true. But that's how you know you're at a wrong spot. You need to leave the club. Yes. Uh, so on that hip hop note, uh, I really want to thank you, Tom. Um, I'll also share, um, in your biography, there were some polish hip hop. So I'll go check it out and recommend people also to check it out. Uh, oh, sure. Thank you. I think, I think it's gonna be good to listen to polish hip hop to get back to the grinding mode. I actually have a few friends who like, don't understand anything, but they're like, yeah, we've been listening to it back and forth, working on things. I'm like, yeah, that, that makes sense. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks. 
And uh, everyone, thanks for following this episode. Looking forward to your feedback. Please feel free to reach out to Tom and stay safe, stay happy, and see you soon.